My name is Paul, and I'm a comic book geek. My name is Hugh, and I'm an all-purpose geek. My name is Sean, and I'm a sports geek. This is GeekPod. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Geek Pod. I'm Paul. I'm Hugh. And as you'll notice, since we're the only two that have said anything, it's just us today. Corbs isn't here. We have no guests, co-stars, yeah, whatever you want to call them. Guests. I think yeah. guests works. So we're going to take the opportunity and make this basically all sorts of comic-y goodness. Hooray. No more... Uh, Sons of Anarchy, especially since yeah. I haven't watched that episode. You know, can can we actually get through one of these without Sons of Anarchy? No, we, we both just said it, so we obviously <laughs> can't. So, I'm going to start us off like we always do. You, what's got you geeked? Well, uh, you know, what has me excited this week is, um, I forgot what has me excited this week. That is exciting. Yeah, I actually had something prepared. I spent this morning before work putting together all the homework you assigned me and I just completely <laughs> drew a blank because that homework that I didn't do that's fantastic yeah I'll go ahead with what you, with yours and see if I can remember this what's got me geeked um I, I've got to be honest I'm going to go with it you know what I'm talking about go for it what's got me geeked and it shouldn't because um Geekpad received hate mail this week <laughs> And I'd like to call this a WTF Files update, because way back in episode three, the very beginning of of the WTF Files, hold on, I've got to, I've got to pause this. So what's got me geeked this week is our hate mail. Yes, GeekPod received hate mail this week, and it harkens back to our very first WTF Files. Um, when I posted a picture of a vehicle that I saw at Shopping Town Mall with a license plate that said Vag Dock. We hypothesized, this was before you came in. Um, I don't know if you've listened back through the previous episodes yeah. before. So you've heard the whole thing. Yes. Okay. Well, maybe we have some listeners who haven't because you know there's such a backlog of episodes. What we did basically was we hypothesized that this was kind of a, a scummy gynecologist and he was proudly proclaiming it. Well, the man claiming to be the owner of the vehicle emailed us, <laughs> not, I'm sorry, not emailed us, sent GeekPod a private message on Facebook. Now, I, I've, I've sent you this already. Yes. You've seen it. Yes, I have. So, I think it's only fair to, you know, give him his 15 minutes in the sun. Absolutely, go right ahead. I'm not going to say his name because that's just rude. Yes. So, we will refer to him as VegDoc for this whole thing. Okay, VegDoc works. So, Wednesday night, about 9.30. I'm sorry. Well, no, I noticed it about 9.30. So, it must have been about the same time the third one was coming in. Because we, had, we got three quick transmissions from our good friend VegDoc. Starting with this. Hey, dude. I recently recently caught episode three post about a vag doc plate. 
Now I'm going to read this verbatim. I'm not going to fix anything because okay. it makes it more fun for me. I'm a little, all one word, a little, pissed you decided, D-E-S-I-D-E-D. That's, I need to do that for a reason because of where it goes from there. To call me a douche lord. Well, I think pretty much anyone would be upset to be called a douche lord. But yes. You don't know me. I'm a working class guy and my plate meads, in quotation marks, VW Audi Group with an E on the end of group. That has no pertinence, but it's just an interesting spelling. And the doc is because I'm a VW Audi specialist. Next time, don't assume anything. Makes you look ignorant as hell. Good day. <laughs> Fifteen minutes later, we get another message from him with an asterisk. And it says, decided, spelled correctly. He's correcting himself. And <laughs> 16 minutes later, I also didn't give you permission to use my plate on your website. Sounds like a lawsuit to me. Okay. GeekPod did respond. By all means. And by GeekPod, just in case he's listening and he is looking for someone to shank, GeekPod um, responded from Paul. Paul did the response. I took my time. I did take my time. I, I thought it through. For a second there where you're like, oh no, I'm going to lose everything. Um, not really, because there's not <laughs> much to lose. Um, yeah, we were, we were afraid that the veg doc was going to take down the GeekPod Empire. You know, I told my wife, and she was all worried, well, can, can somebody take legal action? Can they? She's like all worried about it, and we'll probably talk about that in a second once you Yes, after my response. On. Because I, I will fill in, because the, there is like an hour and a half time lag between when he sent these and when I began the, the response that I'm about to read. Hi, VagDoc. No, I didn't call him VagDoc in his actual message. I used his name. Thanks for contacting us. Allow me to clear the situation up for you. GeekPod is a free local comedy podcast. Yeah, I really do consider us comedy. Well, I mean, us trying to act like we're professionals at this is pretty funny. Yeah, it is, yeah. And that's where the, the comedy comes in for me. <clears throat> anyway, back to the letter. As I'll doubt you're aware, everything on the show has a comedic slant as meant to be in fun. The segment your vehicle appeared in is called the WTF, in quotation marks, what the fuck, files, and it's designed to highlight an oddball observation that we come across. Such as, oh, a car license plate that looks to be lewdly advertising itself as a gynecologist, and in parentheses I put, a vagina doctor, and capitalize, capitalized a VAG in the DOC. Was our take on it off base? Question mark. Apparently so, and we will happily rectify that on the next show. Rest assured, we will set the record straight about what the plate really stands for, and worry not, we will not mention your name on air. Although I am still considering blasting him, but no, I'm not going to. Now, that, that would be a bad idea. Yeah. That would be important. That might be legal. legal yes, yes. Litigious? Is that it? Litigious? Litigious? I don't know. I don't know. You're the one who works for a law firm, not me. Bad news. That's all it is. <laughs> As for the legal merits of us capturing the image and posting on the website, dot, 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 the car was parked in a public place, Shopping Town Mall to be exact, and it is perfectly legal to have it photographed and posted to a website. We here at GeekPod do understand the need for privacy, though, and have altered the image to make the car itself unrecognizable. Also, as a gesture of good faith, I have removed the name-calling in the show notes. We're not looking to hurt anyone's feelings here. <laughs> now, 
I just got to ask because you've gotten to read it as as, yes. as he would have seen it. Does the fact that I'm throwing him a big fuck you come across in that at all? I, I think so, yeah. Okay. And a couple things occur to me. Number one, uh, there's no way you have that on your car license plate and not realize people are going to take it that way. Especially if you have a vanity plate, it's there for people to notice. Exactly. Right? Trying to go to court and say, I'm mad because somebody noticed my vanity license plate. That's kind of the point. Uh, and there's no way he didn't know what that meant. I also wonder, is this just somebody taking the piss with us? I mean, did this guy... Okay, either he's a gynecologist or he's clearly a mechanic or of some sort on Audis. He's listening to our podcast. The 16 people in Syracuse listening to our podcast. <laughs> One of them happens to be him. No, here's Ugh. my thing. With what he referenced, he did not listen to the podcast. Because all he referenced was that I called him a douche lord on the show notes. Uh. So... If it's him, because this could be a, a prank, but if it's a prank, it's a damn good one because the guy that wrote from it is everything he says he is, and judging from what I saw, because I did look at his Facebook profile, Yeah. and again, I don't know him from Adam. I'm going by what he has publicly put out on social media. Our assessment was correct. He appears to be a douche lord. Yeah. Um, a profile photo with him. I'm assuming it's of him because he has cropped his own head out off of it. Okay. The shirt could be used for what the fuck file is this week. He's wearing a shirt that says, No fucks given. <laughs> oh, are you sure it's really not wigs with a fake profile? Oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Oh. But... I really hope this guy responds. I would love to hear from him again. I would love to have him on the show. I'd go. love to have him call in. But here is my dream scenario. This is what's going to happen. Because we know he frequents the shopping town mall because this is where I found it. Yeah. In May, we are broadcasting from shopping town mall, specifically Cloud City Comics. I want him to roll in and make a scene during our recording wearing his No Fucks Given shirt. <laughs> I want to. I, I wouldn't yeah. even be willing as far, as far to go as him coming in and punching me dead in the mouth while we're on mic, knocking me out of a folding chair, sprawled out in a comic shop. It would be fantastic. You will take one for the team. I would love it, and I I would hope one of you are filming it when it happens. <laughs> and and when he hits me, I will have a giant grin on my face. I will not retaliate. I can't say the same for the owner of the shop because yeah, he's kind of a badass and he may hurt somebody. So that's how I want it to go down. I mean. I've I've told this story to a few people that were involved, or at least had seen the picture beforehand, and they think it's the funniest thing imaginable. Everyone except my wife. Um, what does she think? She was not happy. First, I, she jumped to the conclusion that we were going to get sued and you know lose the house and everything, but GeekPod is not registered to me. So that's not a worry anyway. <laughs> well, I don't think it's a worry as well. Is uh, free speech is protected, and comedy especially, there's been revisions to free speech laws throughout history, and uh, if something is said in a newspaper, in a place that purports to be reporting true news and stuff, yes, then you get into things like uh, libel, but when it comes to a comedy, there's uh, a satire laws and such like that. Uh, you can't, I mean, if you could sue for that stuff, um, the the right wing would have sued Comedy Central's Daily Show right off the right air. off of the air. You, you yeah. can't you can't do that, especially if 
um, the source is saying, hey, listen, this is supposed to be funny. And we're not actually saying this guy is a douche lord because no. really, what is a douche lord? There's not even know. a definition for no, that. No, it's something we made up. But, I mean, if you have a license plate that's going to get attention that is, um, I have to believe, purposely made, a, hey, you know, this is going to be a funny joke, um, when you get that attention, you can't cry about it. Right. So even if there was some kind of legal recourse for him, it, it wouldn't go anywhere. So basically, uh, is what you're alluding to is GeekPod's official response to him is, fuck off. Well, you never know. He might show up, or decide to actually sit down. He might be a great guy. Maybe he's at Cloud City buying comics. Um, my response is, okay, that was cool. VagDoc got back to us. Um, the rest is really on him. If yes. he really is a douche lord, then fuck off. There we go. <laughs> I just, I was way too excited about this when when this came in. Yeah. Um, to the point that I immediately texted Corbs and said, dude, VegDog is pissed. <laughs> and and it carried over through the next day. My my entire day at work, I was like giddy. And I even made the comment once, and it's only half true in case my wife is listening, that it was the happiest I've been since my children were born. I was so excited. I, I printed this same email off with, with names omitted and everything because I wasn't going to circulate that around the yeah. office. And showed everybody, and they loved it. And I've actually been praised about my, my letter writing skills there. So, <laughs> I'm very excited. I mean, I literally, the whole point when we, when we knew that Corp wasn't recording with us today, I was like, cool, we can do a whole comics episode. Yeah, that went right out the window the moment we got this. I was too excited for this. <laughs> spend a whole day talking about Vag. Oh, I could. Well, I could spend the whole day talking about Vag, just in general. Okay. And not VWs or Naudis. <laughs> Fuck those cars. So I guess that's where we'll leave it with that. Oh, and for any interested parties, you can Google it, and this is perfectly legal. We cannot be sued for this. Yeah. I didn't even have to alter the photo or anything like that. I could have left it alone. I was just being a nice guy. Well, we're not douche lords. <laughs> and I think there's the title for this week's episode. <laughs> there it is. Alright, so yes, that's what has me geeked. That's also an update on the WTF files. Um, now, going forward, does this mean we should probably stop that segment of the show? Absolutely not. That was the answer I was looking for. Okay. So, has it come back to you yet? Alright, well, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Um, there, There is one thing that, uh, I guess it's more of a, something that occurred to me. I was reading some articles about upcoming technology, and I got a little excited about something. It's not comics related, but uh, we're really, really close to possibly having an affordable version of the Oculus Rift available commercially. Now, are you familiar with the Oculus Rift? No. Uh, it is a, a development. You can buy them there. I think they're 1000 or $1,300 a piece right now. It's a, a development virtual uh, reality headset. And um, I think that like uh, the people involved with Valve and stuff, I think they're involved with it. It's, it's from one of the big developers. I really should know the name. Uh, but regardless, this is basically uh, they're creating a developer version. Um, a lot of companies are probably going to be able to take the technology and market their own versions. Just like we have, um, like Steam is doing the Steam boxes. You heard about that? Steam decided this year they were going to make a computer that was kind of dedicated for the, the Steam... You know what Steam is? Yes. Downloading games. Something that would easily hook to a TV. And basically, they're almost licensing it like Android, so different companies can have different versions, different levels of Steam Box at different prices. I think that's what you're probably nice. going to see with this VR stuff in the future. 
And I was reading an article, interestingly enough, um, about Fallout 3, which is one of my favorite games, and somebody mentioned, I cannot wait to play Fallout 3 again through Oculus Rift. And my brain just said, oh my god. <laughs> uh, if you've not played Fallout 3... I have not. Um, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. You, you've missed out. What platform? Uh, all platforms. It's out on everything. It's yeah. out on everything. You can probably get the Game of the Year edition for $10, $15 on Steam. Uh, but even though there's been one other game in the franchise since then, which was a good game and it built off the first, there's something about Fallout 3 that I just it, it resonates very deeply. It was such a richly developed um, wasteland. Okay, it's uh, set, set around uh, the D.C., Cap uh, Washington, D.C., uh, nuclear war years ago, people living in vaults, some people living on the surface. Um, but the whole area is so richly uh, developed that even after the game is over, you can just wander for hours. You're still finding new things you haven't found. I mean, a little tiny culvert, and you find a skeleton and a letter a guy wrote to his wife. Or, oh, cool. I uh, Just random encounter. It's just set up so that it's it's a feeling. It's it's less less of a, just a game, but it's also a feeling. Very immersive. From yes, the sounds of it. and uh, I've even though by the same company, Oblivion and Skyrim, you know, made by the same company, same idea, very immersive. But Fallout's the one I always come back to. Fallout's Outstanding. And the idea of playing that on a virtual reality headset just kind of I was like, oh wow, uh, that. You know, my wife says, you know, what do you want for Christmas? That's what I want for Christmas. Right. Make Fallout it Three on an Oculus Rift. Uh, but but that's it. That that's really the one thing that probably got me a little excited this week. Outstanding. Which looks like maybe in the future that could also be your take my money. P very possibly. Yes. Uh, I mean, the, they're they're still developing it. You can anybody can buy a development kit right now. Um, it's really supposed to be for people who want to make applications for it. But you know, it's it's not a finished product. But I mean, they're close now. I, I think next year you're going to see a, an actual commercial version of it. Outstanding. That would be very cool. But how long before someone's trying to use that for, like, internet porn or something? I, probably um, a year before they thought of Oculus Rift. I mean, it's just, it's, I'm sure it's in preparation. Somehow that just doesn't excite me. That's weird. Virtual reality porn, no. Yeah. Because there's, the there's always in the back of your head, what if somebody's watching me? <laughs> right. I gotcha. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, more business, actually, before we get on to comics. And uh, I don't think I've even mentioned this to you yet. Oh, so nice. Lovely. Yes. I, Paul, just in case people don't know my voice at this point, not that they don't hear enough of it, um, I'm an avid podcast listener as well as podcast whore here. I listen to a ton of podcasts, a lot of which are either Kevin Smith-centric or comic book-centric. One of which, called Resurrections, an Adam Warlock podcast, which oddly enough is all about Adam Warlock. Um, we got a mention on their show. Now, where is this uh, podcast out of? I don't know. I don't. I think Ohio, maybe. So this is a big, bigger thing. They pull about the same numbers we do. Okay. Um, we got a mention on air, pointed us towards our website for us. Uh, because I did a review for them months back. Really? Yes. And so I want to say thanks to El Sedano, who does it. Everyone should go out and listen to his podcast, Adam Warlock. Resurrections, I'm sorry. Resurrections and Adam Warlock podcast. He, we were on the tail end of episode 17. Um, it's a little embarrassing because when I started doing goofy reviews and stuff on there, 
I changed the name on the account um, to Dance and Jim. <laughs> so that's how he referred to me as Dance and Jim. <laughs> oh. But he did mention Geekpod specifically. Of course, I name dropped, name checked Geekpod pretty good in there a couple times. Yeah. The the subject of our, of our review was Geekpod approved. <laughs> And uh, I did credit him as partial inspiration for me getting this off the ground, which is true, Al. Don't be mad at because I'm not lying. Thanks, Al. Yes. Al also does another podcast I just recently discovered called Four Color Fanboys. It's through the Podwits network of podcasts, and okay. they're good, much like what we do, but they're a little more focused. They stay with the comics, and they don't really get super tangential. Okay. Tangent. They don't jump off onto tangents. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. So I thought that was pretty cool that that we've at least gotten a mention somewhere and maybe got a new listener or two out of the deal. That would be awesome. Hello, Ohio. Yes. So yeah, now we can get on to all the comic-y, sense-shattering goodness. Now you gave me some homework. Actually, I did. You gave me homework yesterday. Yeah, it was um, a little short-lived. It so, was a slow so day at work. So why don't you tell me uh, what it is that you wanted me to uh, do homework on and have us talk about? So what I wanted to do, because this is going to be comic-centric, I wanted to kind of give them a peek into our collective tastes into what we go. I know we've referenced a few times. I'm a big Marvel Cosmic fan. That's kind of my, well, not even Marvel Cosmic, just Cosmic in general. But I wanted, you know. Say we wanted to give someone who's new to comics, or even if they're not new to comics, just looking for maybe something different to read, something cool. Okay. Be it a single issue, a series, a specific story arc. And I think I told you five. Yes, you gave me five. Yeah, well, I didn't even do five. That's okay, (laughs) I made up for it. All right. So... I'm going to give you the floor. Why don't you uh, start off with some of your picks? All right. Would you like me to go go through the whole thing? However you'd like to do it. All right. Uh, what I was thinking about uh, when you gave this to me wasn't necessarily what are the, the big stories, because everybody knows The Dark Knight Returns is great. The Killing Joke is great. Um, but when you're reading comics on a monthly basis, not every issue is a classic. Not everything I, is an event. Yeah. Yes. Far, far from it. Uh and I was thinking, well, you know, if somebody's going to come from no comics experience, they read something, uh, an Alan Moore or something like that, then they go to pick up a monthly comic, they're going to be very disappointed. Right, be let down. Nice. Yeah. I was thinking more along the lines, what would be a great place for somebody to come in and get an idea for a genre kind of comic book? And then introduce them to the big ones, because those will be like the treats. Those are the season finales or the special episodes. Um, you don't expect it all the time, but when you get it, you're really happy it exists. So I wanted to stay away from some of the uh, the easy ones. Um, I mean, you know, great series to start someone on, especially if they don't read comics. Walking Dead because of the TV show tie-in. You know, things like that. Um, I wanted to go with something that might be a little um, left to center. So <clears throat> started off uh, for somebody who maybe isn't into comic books, isn't into to fantasy type stuff. If you're if you're more real life stuff, you like Fast and Furious movies and war movies and things like that. Garth Ennis's run um, with Punisher Max when they brought Punisher back, uh, Punisher Max, um, amazing series. Now you've probably never heard me mention Punisher before, have you? Only when we were discussing that it was my first comic, which I have a correction ah, to yeah. make, by the way. It was not Punisher War Journal number three. It was Punisher number two. Okay, sorry. That's fine. Um, not my normal uh, style of comic book, 
but I went to it because I'm a fan of Garth Ennis, and he appears on this list again. Uh, so I was kind of looking back at things he's done, and that was something that, uh, you know, after he was done with Hellblazer, he went on, you know, he became a, a household name, sort of, in comics, and went on and, and did uh, one of the most acclaimed runs of Punisher Max. So I'm like, you know, I think I, I'm going to take a look at this. And I gotta say, uh, I read the entire thing um, very quickly, and I was like, this is really good. It's not what I'd normally get to do. I mean, movies, yeah, I like the Punisher movies, but the comics, I mean, it's all guy shooting stuff. Right. Um, he really characterizes the other characters because the Punisher doesn't really have a not much of a personality. He just shoots shit. Right. Um, but Ennis was able to make the bad guys so bad that when uh, Frank Castle kills him, you're happy. It's you get cathartic. It's it's very um, very rewarding and satisfying. Even though the main character doesn't have a whole lot to him. I think somebody who's never read comics and likes more real-world type stuff, this is drug dealers and slave trade kind of stuff. Um, they be right at home, and it's some of the best writing, you know, period, um, especially for that particular character. The next one I put on here, and this is going to make a lot of people mad. That's even better. A lot of people mad. Because apparently that's what we do now. Oh, so. well, hey, you, you got to run with your strengths. Uh, there are a lot of people out there who want to kill Dan Slott because they feel he's ruined Spider-Man. Now... I am not going to say that the status quo changes that Dan Slott have made to the character don't affect 12-year-old Hugh in a little bit of a way, you know, you know the, the absolving of the marriage of him and Mary Jane and a lot of little changes and tweaks. But coming from a, hey, I've never really read a comic book, but I've seen all the Spider-Man movies kind of standpoint, brand new day and everything forward from that. If you take out the fact that you're pissed off that they did what they, they did with the, the marriage of Peter Parker and Mary Jane and Mephisto and all that deal with the devil garbage. Brand New Day was a great place to start with the character. If you didn't know the history, if you'd only seen the movies, um, things were exciting. They weren't bogged down in continuity. Lots of great stuff happened. The big time um, era happened where finally Parker had money and a good job and all that stuff. It was a lot of fun. There was a lot of new uh, enemies introduced, a lot of dynamics that remain there to this day. And it, le it led into um, my favorite, you know, run of Spider-Man of all time. Again, going to piss people off. I love Superior Spider-Man, and Loved I it. hope to God at the end of Edge of the Spider-Verse, I don't ever want Doc Ock back with uh, tentacles. I don't want him back as some other superhero. I want there to be two Spider-Men. Because I don't want to see Peter Parker gone, but I like Superior Spider-Man. And if nothing else, it, it is probably one of the boldest experiments I've seen in comics. Okay, you say, well, DC, we're going to reboot their entire continuity. Starting over like that with a clean slate is easy. Oh, making no. somebody, or making the fans love a guy who's bad. And a lot of people feel the same way I do. Um, again, I mean, I don't think you should hate Dan Slott for that. That's amazing. I mean, why does everything have to be the same all the time? I agree. I, and I love Superior. Yeah. It, it made me pick up Spider-Man again. Like, I hadn't been reading Spider-Man, but I knew, oh, you know, it's, all of a sudden it's going to be... Ock in Peter's body. I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. And it turned out to be so much more than that. I mean, you, you get the realization in why in 700 before Superior even started. Yeah. He realizes the need for the responsibility and why Peter did what he did, and it set him down the path. It was it was a whole new era. I mean, I know that's an overused phrase. Yeah. But it was. It was very cool. And I mean, granted, I'm biased anyway because it led down the road to getting back. Uh, Spider-Man 2099 for me. Yeah. But I loved the run. I was in and out of it. I didn't stay with it totally, but I'm going back now with Marvel Unlimited 
and rereading. Otto Octavius is not Doc Ock to me anymore. He's Superior Spider-Man. Yes. Probably always will be at this point. Um, I wonder if maybe we might not even come out of Spider-Verse with him being the hero. That could be cool. I mean, they're they're positioning the two of them, you know, facing off over who's going to run things. And, uh, you know, Slot isn't always going to do what, you know, the people who want everything to stay the same are going to do. Or is going to want him to do. I mean, he's proven that. He took a huge risk with one of Marvel's biggest characters, and it paid off. So, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to lose uh, Peter anytime soon. No. But I, I think he might just bring... Uh, Superior Spider-Man back in a big way. That would be fantastic. I mean, yes. even if they have to repackage him as a different name, but still be the same idea, I'd be okay with it. Yeah. But how many different quote-unquote clones of Peter are we going to have? This is true. Which leads into one of my list of three at the moment, and that's that's kind of funny because you did the no big events, and one of the mine in the middle is one of the biggies. Well, that, that was those are the conditions I put on myself. Well, it's not a bad condition. I wish I would have thought of it. I, I wanted to avoid stuff. Hey, top five storylines of 2013. I, I actually, I wrote this list, then I got to work today, and I Google searched the top storylines for a couple of years to make sure that these, these weren't, weren't hitting. Yes. Nice. Um, one of mine, and because it was the, the comment I made that makes it fit in, is the most recent run of Scarlet Spider. The, if, if you're not familiar, it's the one by, written by Christopher Yost. I think it ran 25 issues. I'm 21 issues into it now. I'm hooked on it, and I, I'm sad to say that it's gone now because it's just so cool. It, it's, And the tagline for the series says it all. All the power, none of the responsibility. Yeah, I like that. Did you read any of this? Yeah, I, I think I've read most of it. I, I kind of dropped off because I got to a point recently where there was just too much for me to keep up on and I wasn't super invested in the storyline. Um, um, not to jump into your, your spotlight. That's alright. Um, I remember the original Clone Saga. I read it all. Um, part of me is pissed off it's not Ben Riley in the suit and it's Kane. I like that they brought Kane back. I'm okay with them doing something uh, with him. Uh, the Scarlet Spider has been Riley to me, so I, I, I'm reading the issues, and I'm just finding myself, this is the one they decided to bring back. Now, you see what's coming, though, in speaking of Ben Riley, You know there is a miniseries featuring both Kane and Ben Riley coming oh. out of the Spider-Verse thing called Scarlet Spider's... Yeah, I, I did see uh, some kind, something online about that. I, I don't think I read the blurb, but I figured that you know the, the character was going to come back after Spider Verse. I'm literally just saying that affected my reading of this particular series. Right. Now I don't have that because at that time I wasn't reading, so I didn't read the original Clone Saga the whole time when when Ben Riley was Scarlet Spider with his hoodie and all that. Is it a cool visual? Yes. That's I don't know much more about him other than he was the blonde Peter Parker who ended up being, you know, disintegrated into dust, didn't he? Yes. Okay. So I, I wasn't that invested in it. I, I have the Spider Island thing where I guess Kane came back. Haven't had a chance to read that either, that that trade. I it just happened there was a sale at Cloud City Comics in Shoppingtown Mall. Um and uh, I picked up the first six issue trade of Scarlet Spider on a whim. Because I think it was on sale for like five bucks. Hardback trade. Why not? 
seemed interesting. He was in New Warriors that I'm reading now. Well, for another month until that's canceled. <laughs> but so I figured I'd see what it was all about, and I fell in love with it. I love the whole idea. Like he's the whole purpose of his series was <laughs> that he was getting the hell out of town. He wanted nothing to do with any of the superheroics and all the, the Spider-Man bullshit anymore. He was on his way to Mexico. He was leaving. Yeah. He had a, a bag full of cash. He was out the fucking door. And then he rescues this teenage girl who's now Hummingbird. Because um, I'm not even going to try and pronounce her name. Araceli something. You said you weren't going to do that. Well, I'm not going to go with the rest of it because I don't even remember <laughs> the rest of her name. And she ends up being his turning point, which sets him on the course to being this really rude version of Spider-Man, basically. <laughs> um, and it just it resonates with me. Because you're kind of a dick. Yeah, that's 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 a pretty fair assessment. I guess I could say I see, I see a lot of me in him. Um, but it's, I mean, to the point that now I have his version of Scarlet Spider on my desk at work, the figure. So he he's moved up in the ranks up into my probably my top five favorite characters. That's funny because you weren't a really big spider person. Either. No. There and most of my top characters are all cosmic level guys and Kane definitely isn't. But he's just so fucking cool. He's <laughs> such a dick and that's what I like about him. And the fact that he looked Wolverine in the face and said, I have to kill you now and killed Wolverine so I mean obviously it didn't stack it stuck for what half an up, a half of an issue yeah but it was it's just so cool it was a refreshing take for me and it's the first series that I've read almost start to finish on Marvel Unlimited now so speaking of Wolverine we should come back to that later okay we'll put a pin in that you know it's funny I think the reason I liked Ben Riley so much is Kane came back into the Clone Saga because he was all disfigured and all sorts of fucked up. Uh, ben Riley was off somewhere. I don't even remember now, but he had a different life. You know, he didn't. Whereas Peter got the powers and grew into the responsibility. Um, ben didn't have to do that, but he became that person anyway. Um, for some reason, there was something very heroic about that. Mm -hmm. I, I really liked that, and and that's. You know, even when he thought he was the real Peter Parker for a while, you know, and it turns out that he wasn't, you know. But he, he, before that, he he still he still stepped up, you know, when he didn't have to. And I, I don't know, I just liked that. Yeah. There's nothing taking away from him, but it's just, he wasn't my Scarlet Spider. Yeah. Wow, this is turning into one of those Green Lantern conversations. Well, he's not my Green Lantern. But, <laughs> so. um, back to me. My next one that I would give somebody if... They're the kind of person that likes some darker fantasy, likes horror movies, things like that. Uh, you know, I'm a big Hellblazer fan. Mm -hmm. And with the TV show, uh, I don't know how it's doing, but, you know, it's kind of on uh, treading on thin ice. But more people are probably interested in the character. Uh, there's a lot of places you can go to start reading uh, Hellblazer and reading about John Constantine. You can go all the way back to, to Swamp Thing and Sandman, even, because he had an appearance there. Um, it, I believe it was issue four. 41 of Hellblazer started the Dangerous Habit storyline, which was loosely adapted for the movie when they did the movie version with Keanu Reeves. As good a place to start off as any, because I feel like at that point, they really had a feel for what they wanted the character to be. I'm not saying the early issues weren't great, 
but you can tell when somebody's starting something when even the writer isn't entirely sure uh, what the rules are in this world. They're trying to craft it. Uh, Dangerous Habits was a great story. It was basically John realizing that you know he has lung cancer, he's gonna die, and tricking the demons and devils in hell into curing him and making it so that he does not die. Nice. Should I? Should I? Actually, no. It's different from the movie, and that's right. We said there's you know spoilers are permitted in this. Area, oh, without so. a doubt. Uh, it was it was one the first time I realized that I love this character, and it was very simply. Um, my memory might fail me a bit. But the way he gets himself out of it is he sells his soul to three different demons in hell, one of them being Lucifer, uh, without the others knowing. And here's the thing. They all have their own kingdoms in hell. There's, I think there's three kingdoms in hell in this particular uh, mythos. And if he dies, if any one of them takes his soul without letting the others have it, they're going to go to war. If you're the one that says, okay, you can have this, you kind of lose all your you credibility. Like Basically, yeah. <laughs> the three of them have to make sure that he never dies. Nice. And I'm just like, wow. And That's that, genius. Yeah, and then that basically right there gives you, if you if you don't know the character, I think probably the most perfect encapsulation of what he is. And if you like that, you're gonna you're just gonna go nuts with the rest of it. Outstanding. I've actually never read any Hubblazer. We should fix that. We really we should. should. I have a giant backlog though. But I do think that should be one of our assignments sometime. We should each pick something that we're into and force the other to read that. Okay. So so that means you're going to probably be reading Nova soon. Okay. <laughs> do you think it'll work on Corpse? Um, I will neck punch him and make him do this. Because I don't know him as well as you do. Actually, I don't. I barely know him at all, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it'll go well. We, we can make him... I was actually just thinking you and I. But I think we should make him read comic books as well. And we have to push him outside his comfort zone. I mean, it would be easy to say, oh, well, here's a Sons of Anarchy comic. Read that. Oh, here's Walking Dead. Try that out. You already love the show. Fuck no. I'm going to make it go somewhere weird for him. Okay. We should make him read Why the Last Man. Which is on my list. Did you see this? No, I did you not. Did, you're kidding me. I, I swear I didn't. It's just, it was in my consciousness because on one of the episodes I was listening to of Four Color Fanboys, they were discussing it. They touched on uh, Brian K. Vaughn. So. Well, Why the Last Man is the next one on my list. Go figure. <laughs> um, for something that is not really based in anything comic booky or supernatural or cosmic or anything, basically the idea is there is a virus and it uh, ends up spreading worldwide. It targets only the males in the population and basically kills off every single man on the face of the planet except for one. And he is got an interesting road ahead of him, to say the least. I believe if you buy it in trades, there's ten volumes. Um, it's just a very interesting story. It's certainly more real-world grounded. Um, has a, a good beginning and end. It's just a great... You see right from when it first happens, and you see our society... I mean, we're talking people in the White House and all that, all completely led by women trying to figure out what's going on, all the way to a few years down the road where you see how the world changes when, you know, there's only women. Um, I don't think it's in any way sexist or anything like that. He just had a really good idea, explored it, and, and wrote a good story that I think anybody... If it was a movie, I mean, it'd be a movie starring Tom Cruise or something. or You know, it would it could be it could be a, a Hollywood mainstream story if right. they could make the movie. Or a mainstream TV show. There's, there's nothing really genre about it, except that it happened to appear on paper first. Right. That's... 
Why isn't that? Like, hasn't it been hasn't they, it been, been in development for a long time? I think the biggest problem is the story is very long, and you either need to cut a lot out, or you have to have a format that's going to accommodate that. And I don't think you can't do it in a movie. You can't say we're going to do a trilogy of movies. I mean, it's not the kind of thing you want to start and have to worry about whether you can finish it. Right. Even as a TV series, man, it would take years to complete the story. I, I just really don't know how they can do it without some major rewrites. So therein lies the problem. That, and from what I understand, wasn't uh, a crazy bastard from Transformers attached to it for a while? Yeah, he was. And he actually looks the part of the main character. So Does I mean, he? Yeah. Nice. And, and the main character can be kind of douchey, so I, I think, uh, yeah, it, it probably would work. He'd probably be the best person for it. You know, except that even according to him, he's not famous anymore, so they have yeah. to move on. And I'm not fat anymore. Did it, have, <laughs> did it work? No. Yeah, Damn. see, it doesn't work. You forgot the paper bag, that's why. Oh. Wait, paper bag. What? You didn't hear about that no. with uh, Shia? Oh, he put a paper bag over his hat, right? Yeah, he did some art installation in Hollywood where literally people paid for a ticket to come sit across the table from him like we are, with him sitting there with a bag on his head, and they could, I think just talk to him or throw something at him maybe I don't remember what it was exactly but I, I really wanted to go to Hollywood and bring a brick with me you know what that is that is drinking until you think all of your ideas are really good That's what and, that and is. being surrounded by yes men that are like oh yeah yeah that's a great idea so. <laughs> okay so I'm gonna go or, I'm sorry did we finish touching on that because I totally derailed we're, your we're good. why we're the good. last man now, yeah, why you gotta bring Shia LaBeouf into everything? God damn it, Paul. <laughs> hey, at least it isn't Grant, Grant Morrison. Morrison. <laughs> so, my other big one, and there isn't much to discuss on it because everybody's heard of this one, but it is such a good story. Even if the movie focused on a giant blue dong too much. Um, Watchmen. Now that is an interesting choice. Love Watchmen fantastic story kind of fucked up kind of dated at this point because of just I mean with all the references to Vietnam and everything you know I love it I, I think it might be last on my list of stories to introduce to somebody who's never read a comic book before though right it's, it, yeah it's definitely not oh you want to track out a comic book start with this <laughs> no you should never start with Watchmen but I definitely think it's a must read yeah um, and I'd have to say probably the coolest character in that would be Night Owl. Love Night Owl. Really? I, I always loved Rorschach. Night Owl. Rorschach was cool in a crazy kind of way. But I just, I thought the the Night Owl guy, God, Dan. Yeah, Dan something. Yes, thank you. Was And, and it might be tainted by the, uh, the before Watchmen series that spun out of it. But they just, they really made him cool. He was kind of like... I guess he was supposed to be their version of Blue Beetle, right? I really saw him more as Batman. Honestly. That's I agree, but I, I guess the idea was when Alan Moore wrote it, he wanted to use all the Charlton characters, but couldn't. They wouldn't let him, yeah. so he he adapted all of them. So that was actually based off of Blue Beetle, the Ted Cord Blue Beetle, I'm assuming. Okay. But yeah, I see a Batman vibe with it too, with the whole owl thing and. Underneath his and all that. Yes. Now you know it, it definitely was a. What I liked about that series most 
was all the flashbacks to this is how heroes used to be, and you got to kind of see you got to see the golden age, the corruption, all that stuff. I mean, it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing like that had really been done in comics at that point. Um, it's just such a uh, a hard read to really to really feel like you've come away with something. And I've always felt like the last act. I just like people talk about how the last act in the movie felt kind of rushed. It was a pretty good adaptation until the end. I kind of felt the comic was pretty good until the very end. Um, only because it seemed like it was building to some some really grand, pertinent point, a comment on society, and then giant blue squid. Yes. Dumped into Times Square. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get it. I understand what the actual story was, you know, what Alan Moore was trying to say. Uh, it's just, you know, sometimes people who are brilliant have a really great idea and everything's awesome, but there's one little thing that they're sold on and all the people that work for them are going, hey, you know, maybe we should talk about that. Oh, yeah, that's the best part. I love that part. You know, <laughs> like like nobody could really get through to them. But that was dated then. I I mean, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about the blue squid? Um, I thought it was kind of goofy. Yeah. But it was an ending. I... I, I I mean, <laughs> if that's the best you can say about something, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's this this grand design by the guy who's supposed to be the the smartest man in the world, and that's what he comes up with is alien invasion, and we use a giant blue squid. Honestly, for all the people that complain about the ending of the movie, I think the ending of the movie is better than the ending of the comic books because it makes a hell of a lot more sense. Agreed. So hopefully we'll get hate mail on that one too. Oh yeah, Alan Moore's a crazy motherfucker. Yes. Okay, uh, we are down to, uh, I guess, the last one I have, but I want to go off and say something first. You know I'm a Batman fan, so Batman had to show up on this list somewhere. Without uh, help. I, I was thinking, casual reader, best way to get into a superhero comic booky type thing. Uh, if you want to go the easy route, real simple one, Batman Superman comic, the original run, not the new one. Um, I started reading the new one. It, I don't even know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> Maybe it makes sense now, I don't know. But the original run, I think it was 70-some-odd issues. Fantastic. That's what got my, my daughter, who was here last time, into comics, uh, was that collection. Because it was easily accessible. It wasn't... You didn't need to know what was happening in Batman or Superman or any of their history. It was almost like it was outside continuity, slightly. Uh, though I don't think they ever really did establish that. It just it didn't matter what happened in other ones. It was about Batman and Superman. Right. And it was just a fun book to read. It was always interesting. It could be fantastic or serious. Great starting point. If you want to get really into, you know, some of the, the pinnacle of what comic books can be with the character, you've got something like The Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb. Um, awesome, awesome story. It takes place over the course of a year. And it basically goes on about uh, there is a, a particular criminal that is committing crime and killing people and it takes place across you know an entire year and you can imagine that between these little episodes when a crime pops up when something happens uh that's when you know batman is you know comes out and investigating but between all that is where all the issues were falling you know so it's kind of like it's it's not outside continuity but it's like over it you know it was a great idea um jeff Loeb did a fantastic job on it he did some really good uh batman stories back then but that is probably one of the higher brow parts of it i don't want to go those with my go to those with my batman recommendation i want to give you something that okay if someone says i'm going to get you into comic books and you're like okay comic books are about superheroes i can accept that i'm okay with superheroes maybe i'll like it uh there is a run of batman this is kind of a long run but it is my absolute favorite 
and it's one of the ones that I go back to frequently. Um, I believe this was 90s, but this goes through basically the fall of Gotham, is what it is, is what it really comes down to. Uh, and it starts with something, It's I'm just going to read these off because uh, I don't know where to even begin with this. If you collect them in trade paperbacks, the stories are Contagion, then Legacy, then Cataclysm, then Aftershock, then Road to No Man's Land, No Man's Land itself, and then War Drums and War Games. Now, this seems like a lot, and it is, but it, it's, it's basically, it really feels like one big story. And in, in that time frame, Batman and Gotham are basically getting hit one thing after another. Contagion, a virus that's, you know, it's a phylovirus, it's killing people, there's no cure, it's horrible. They get past that and get hit with Legacy, which is a resurgence of the, vi resurgence of the virus. Nice. Which starts taking things out. Gotham is getting its ass kicked. Then Cataclysm. That was the Earthquake. The Earthquake. Right? And then the Aftershock of the Earthquake, which pretty much levels a lot of Gotham. Gotham ends up looking, back to the Fallout 3 reference earlier, like the DC Wasteland, like the DC part of it uh, in Fallout 3. Gotham is all sorts of fucked up. And this all leads up to No Man's Land, which is really the, the heart of this and the one I like the most. Uh, but you kind of need to take them all together because what happens in No Man's Land and Road to, well, Road to No Man's Land actually is uh, they basically decide Gotham is just fucked beyond repair. Uh, the U.S. government declares it a No Man's Land. They uh, mine the waters, they blow up the bridges, and basically say you're no longer part of the United States. You're on your own. Nice. And you've got Jim Gordon and what's left of the GCPD and Batman and his heroes trying to put it back together and slowly over the course of a year because that's how long I think No Man's Land in, in comic book time is just under a year before um, they're able I mean all the villains are there Every, everyone's running wild all the major characters are there so you get to see everything that Batman's about and you get to see the most overwhelming odds and I think it really shows uh, at least to me what the character's really all about if you wonder why I like Batman so much you read this series of stories and read No Man's Land and it shows you Fantastic. Exactly why I love the character so much. And the only reason I tacked on War Drums and War Games to the end of that is they do happen after Gotham is back part of the country, somewhat rebuilt, but it still feels tied to it. And it's basically the criminals all... Uh, there's a big gang war. There's a big, um, you know, mob war, gang war, you know, Gotham thrown into chaos yet again, not too long after it's recovered from No Man's Land. And it feels like... Uh, there are still aftershocks of No Man's Land that are causing this. Just great stuff. And it's not going to win an award, you know, for Best Literary Achievement of 1994 or anything like that. Uh, but I think if you read this and you don't want to read everything Batman by the time you're done, comics aren't for you. All right. You, you need to go, go turn Oprah back on. And <laughs> You know, finish reading your South Beach, uh, Beach Diet book, and I mean, this is just none of this stuff is for you. Right, there's the door. <laughs> Very cool. I actually now I want to go pick that up. I actually have not read those. It's it's long. It's it's a lot. It, this is a couple years worth of story. Um, mm -hmm. But it's like I said, I don't know if you've ever wondered why I like Batman so much. It's not like oh, Batman's cool. <laughs> there's a reason. Um, I mean, th this is an entire bookshelf. I believe it. Uh, but it's worth it. And for uh, Greg Rucka worked on this. I mean, there were a lot of good artists. A lot of good people came from here. And for them to cohesively make a couple year long storyline that all kind of connected to each other, it's uh, it's an achievement, I think. Nice. No, 
I have two left. Because uh, while we were discussing all of this, I actually did think of one more. Okay. That I do think would be a good intro for someone who would want to get into it. And it ties into yours because it is a Batman book. Woohoo. It is Batman Earth One. Self-contained story um, that takes place on an alternate reality. They're, they've done a couple of these. There's a, a new one coming. I guess they're doing a Teen Titans one coming in a Wonder Woman. And Batman Earth One was written by Jeff Johns, drawn by Gary Frank. And it's a retelling of the origin. But with this other world slant on it. It's we've got the badass Alfred in it. X MI six agent. And you get to see how he goes through and becomes Batman, not Alfred, obviously. Bruce Wayne is still yeah. Batman in it. And uh, it's just a really cool, well-done, one-and-done story. And if you haven't checked it out, let me know. I will send it home with you today. I swear I've read this before. I really think I have. It was phenomenal. And right after it was done, when I, when I finished reading it, I was like, that's how they need to do the rebooted Batman that they should just hand this over and this should be the script for the new Batman movie. This is before the Batman v Superman stuff was coming and all gotcha. that. That is how you do it. That That's the perfect way to do it. And it's it's inspiring and it makes you want to read more. And I'm still waiting for fucking Jeff Johns to do the second volume. <laughs> <laughs> is he planning on doing it, second That volume? was supposed to be, yes. But who knows, because they've got everything else going on. He's kind of running everything now. Yes. Anything... DC Entertainment side, right? All the, the TV yeah. stuff. Movie stuff, supposedly. Jeff Johns is the Warner Brothers Stanley. Yes. Yes, except he doesn't call everybody a true believer. And uh, my last one is actually another Jeff Johns run. And it was part of his run on Green Lantern. I knew that was coming. <laughs> Had to be coming. Yes. Uh, it was my favorite time in Green Lantern. Jeff Johns, Ethan Van Skyver. Could do no wrong there. It's phenomenal book, but this specific part was the Sinestro Corps War. When they started to first introduce the other Skittles Skittles Corps, all the different <laughs> colors. Uh, it ran through Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps at the time. You can find it in trade. There's a couple of trades. Phenomenal story. It's just where basically Sinestro, he's always had the yellow ring since the Silver Age. Right. Well, he decided, you know what? Why don't I make my own core based on fear? And he did, and he fucked shit up. And throughout it, he was recruiting other people. That's when Superboy Prime became Superman Prime for a while because he was so overloaded with cosmic rays. And Cyborg Superman joined it and kind of became more of a Green Lantern villain for a while. And we got some luminaries like Arkillo, who was one of my favorite ones. He's basically like the, the anti-Kilowog, okay. big, giant, monstrous-looking bastard <laughs> who got his tongue ripped out and ended up wearing it around his neck for a while. Nice. And uh, it was it was cool. They, they kind of took some of the tropes from earlier on in Green Lantern and turned them on their ear. Like, we got to see Parallax again when he was forcibly placed inside Kyle Rayner. Okay. Um, the 90s Green Lantern for people who aren't Green Lantern fans. And it was just really cool and 
the way it was presented was ridiculously traumatic for Rainer, and it was awesome. It's one that definitely anybody interested in the cosmic side of comics needs to go check it out because that's it's kind of like with your run on Batman. This yeah, is why go. I love Green Lantern and phenomenal stuff. And it makes me so sad that that's how great Green Lantern used to be. Because it's not anymore. It, it's bad. Well, you know, there's a lot of that. Um, yes. When I was putting this list together, I kind of got thinking about New 52 Batman. And even though he's one of the characters who's had his past largely unchanged, he is more approachable, maybe? I don't know. It used to be that all this bad crap would happen to Batman, and he'd bottle it up, and he'd shove it down. And if there ever was any kind of an emotion or break or something, it was because it meant something. Now it almost... I don't want to say he's touchy-feel Batman uh, in touch with his feelings, because he's not. But he's certainly willing to talk um, to the people in his group. I mean, they just had a big thing where uh, after what, well, the last thing that happened with the Joker, everyone was mad at him because he, he always has secrets, and he's like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll bring you guys in on I Almost like I've learned from my mistakes. I know I respect you. Fuck that. It's Batman. He That's knows right, better than you. Shut it. the fuck up and do what he tells you to. <laughs> um... I guess it's just it's a slight turn on the characterization of the the character, and I don't feel like it's I don't feel like it's growth. I feel like it's oh well, this is what people want now, so this is how we're going to write him because there was nothing wrong with the way he, he's supposed to be internalizing everything. He's damaged, he's uh, traumatized, and Batman is going to die cold and alone someday because that's the nature of the character. And if you right. it it starts softening him up a little bit. I mean, the only place of the new 52 where I'm okay with the softening is with him learning to love Damien, his son, and the grief he felt at his loss, because that is something, that's the only trauma he's experienced since the death of his parents, I think, that should elicit that big of a response. Um, I'm cool with that, but the rest of it, no, I think he needs to, you know, Tim Drake says, well, you know, I'm mad at you, slap in the face, and yeah. Tommy rides in the back of the Batmobile until right. he's learned his lesson. I agree. I'm That's the goddamn Batman. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that wraps up my recommendation list. Um, what else have you got there? I see you've got a quite a bit of scratch. I do, and talking about the new 52 kind of brings us into something. You, um, We talked about it last week, about whether or not uh, the new 52 was a success or a failure, so I decided to actually look at it. So I've got some numbers for you. Prior to the new 52 um, DC only had 11 books that were selling over 40,000 copies a month alright um, clearly they wanted to increase that and when they launched new 52 uh, they now had 29 the first month 29 books over 40,000 um, wow yeah that, that was definitely a huge increase for them now a year later they had 27 over okay still doing still good up doing, yeah. August of 2013 they had 16 titles over so 40,000. They're creeping back down to where they were. April of 2014, 15 titles over 40,000, but here's the kicker. Four of them are the weekly Batman Eternal. So four of them are, are one comic book because it comes out weekly. Four out of the 15 books selling over 40,000 are one title. So you take that out of the equation because you're it's the at, same book and you're right back to the same 11. 11. titles. Now, they've done better the past two months. Uh, if you look at... And what I did here is I printed out the uh, the sales, and I highlighted the DC ones. We've got sales here for August of this year and October of this year. Um, 
in August, DC had four titles in the top ten, and 22 of those were over 40,000 um, copies. Now that seems like they picked up. What you have to keep in mind, again, four of them are Batman Eternal, four of them are Future's End. That's eight titles that are uh, bolstering basically their, you know, their numbers there. Um, if you were to remove those titles, what's 22 minus 8? 14. Okay. Um, Marvel had 17 titles, over 40,000. Not month. doing weekly books. Not doing yeah. not, not counting books that are, that are weekly. Uh, moved to October. Um, DC had two in the top ten. Interestingly enough, in October it was Batman 35 and Harley Quinn Annual number one, which, okay. She's one of the best-selling books they have. Uh, what I do find funny is in the month of October, uh, you know what the number one selling book was? What's that? Walking Dead 132. No shit. With 326,334 copies sold. The next issue, or the next uh, comic number two for that month, was Death of Wolverine 4, where Wolverine died. Guess how many sales that had? 165,582 issues. Walking Dead uh, pretty much doubled Without doing a big event. No, thing. this this was this was after uh, All Out War. They were not twice monthly. This is back to single issues. Wow. I know. Really surprising. Um, in the month, in that month, like I said, they had two in the top ten. Again, twenty-seven of them over forty thousand. Okay. Uh, that means that if you take out those eight. Now we're back at 19. Marvel had, uh, if my counting was correct, 30 titles over 40,000 sold. Wow. So I think what this this kind of tells us is that it, it, they garnered interest in the beginning. They, they're kind of pretty much back where they were. They're not doing bad, and there's no reason that they should be concerned. Uh, I think the fact that they are moving forward with something that might be kind of reversing things like we talked about before is pretty telling that they realize that I, I don't think this is sustainable Right, because that's just going to keep dropping. I mean, unless they come up with some well, dynamite ideas. Well, interesting uh, thing, and this was uh, earlier this year, uh, when I, the numbers I found were for earlier this year, they canceled as many titles as they launched. They've wow. canceled 52 books as of August of this year. 52 books they've canceled. So yes. at this point, they probably canceled more books than they launched with the new 52. Oh, I would say, yeah. Um, I, I just find it telling. Now... It is interesting because they do definitely hold their own with Marvel uh, for the most part. There's a lot of orange highlighter on here. And with the exception of just a couple titles, uh, most of these are uh, DC and Marvel. And you can take a closer look at them if you want. Uh, if you want to really laugh, um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, number one, 44 last month with 49,000 copies. Beat out Superman, Wonder Woman... Green Lantern, Action Comics. In all fairness, it also beat out Spider-Man 29, um, Death of Wolverine, Logan Legacy, and beat out a lot of stuff. But, you know, you look at that, you look at Walking Dead being number one, I think the comics landscape is really, really changing. changing. Take a look at this. Now, justification on Walking Dead. This is October, right? Yes. When did the show come back? October. So that might have bumped it. But, I mean, it, there's, there's no... Denying well, how big that show the, is, the and there's a huge fan base. The interesting thing about that is, it, it's season five. I can't believe that the premiere of the show is affecting comic sales that much. I mean, if you want to read Walking Dead by now, you're reading Walking Dead. Right. I, I mean, not, not to not the tune of doubling the, the closest thing to you on the list. That That's insane. 
I, I could be wrong about that. Maybe that really is. But I mean, the best-selling comic of last year was an issue of Walking Dead. I believe it. I mean, it's 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 really a phenomenon. But yeah, I mean, you can you can. It's keep amazing. That. I bet you didn't expect me to come with that kind of homework. Did I you? didn't. I'm very impressed. I'm a little disappointed that uh, Gotham Academy only sold 43,000 copies because that was a fantastic book. And it's only at the front of my brain because I read it about an hour ago taking a deuce. But <laughs> You know, you really talk about that a little too I, much. I, I enjoy it. I think, you know, it's... You enjoy talking about pooping. Yes, because I mix the poops. It is what it is. You know, it's funnier when there's more people than not yes. say anything. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that so concludes the our, our lesson for the day. I mean, that's all I got, other than the Richard Ryder joke I found in Axis. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> if you guys remember uh, last week or last time, Paula talked about how there was a joke in uh, the original Nova's name, Richard Ryder. There's a there's a joke there. And I don't think you actually said it because my 12-year-old daughter was here, but we all knew that you meant Dick Ryder. And uh, in last week's issue, not this week's, last week's issue of uh, Axis, Avengers X-Men, I think it's Avengers X-Men Axis, um, Spider-Man is bringing the new Nova to the Avengers headquarters saying, oh yeah, well the guy that used to uh, you know, wear, wear this helmet, he was a pretty good guy. His name was Richard Ryder. And he says, there's a joke in there if you think about it. And I'm just like, oh my <laughs> God, Spidey went with the dick joke. I couldn't believe it. I applaud him. I, do. I, I wouldn't probably wouldn't even have picked up on that if you hadn't said that. <laughs> okay, that's yes. I, I appreciate you bringing it to me. So now I've got a couple of things I want to talk about. One that's got me excited, and it should make no one surprised that I'm excited about it. They just announced that Jim Starlin is writing and drawing another. Thanos story. And I read about it in preparation today, and they were talking it's going to be, uh, he's going to actually be sort of the hero against yes. Annihilus. That's what I'm understanding. Um, it's going to be uh, the Infinity Relativity. And supposedly we're going to have a third coming as well. Um, we don't know a lot about it except Adam Warlock's in it, Thanos is in it, the Guardians are going to be in it. And Annihilus is the big bad. Now I'm thinking that. Did you read uh, the Infinity Revelation? No, I did not. Okay, a lot of weird stuff happened in that, and I'm assuming that this is going to springboard off of that. Like they basically insinuate that the Adam Warlock that is in our universe now is not our Adam Warlock, but that's basically where they left it at the end of okay. Revelation. So I want some answers on that, <clears throat> but I'm just excited. I, I'm glad to see it continue on. Uh, I know there's also Thanos versus the Hulk coming, Ooh. which is going to take place before Infinity Revelation, which is the one that came out in the the fall, summer, spring, not winter. There's only four of them. Yeah, seasons, I it's mean. one of the three that it isn't now. I don't remember when I bought it, which is the sad part. <laughs> and I, I need to ask, um, what's going on with Marvel and their questionable decisions in new ongoing titles? Yeah, I, I I'm not sure I understand. Uh, but then again, I've never understood the whole Squirrel Girl thing. 
Me either. I find it very annoying. I think it's... I mean, I get the joke. Aha, you know. she That's what she does. She, she communicates with squirrels and they're her sidekicks. Okay. We're supposed to believe that a girl that can do this has taken down Doom, Thanos, all these other big bads. I mean, come on. Yeah. Wolverine, apparently. She's even defeated Wolverine. That, uh, it, it certainly, there there has to be a suspension of disbelief, or you just have to be unconscious. I don't I, like it. Um, I see, because I, I, I took note of this in the other one that I sent you. That we're gonna I, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that, but we'll get to it. It's going to be written by Ryan North and illustrated by Erica Henderson. It's going to be called Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. And... The whole premise is Squirrel Girl's off to college now. So apparently this whole time she's been a teenager. Oh. But she's also going to be fighting cosmic level threats. So that really is her only power is she can talk to squirrels. She's not like super strong or anything. That's my understanding. Perhaps she's got a, a higher than normal level of agility. An affinity for nuts. <laughs> Bushy Sorry. tail. Yeah. Which, yeah, I just... I don't get it. I don't know why we need an ongoing. Well, you know, they might be trying to fill the void. There's a lot of talk in comic books about equality these days. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, She-Hulk's new book just got canceled. Oh, no, I was not aware. um, And, I mean, that was some people saying, oh, you know, it's great. Have a um, female-driven book, female character. This writer really knows how to write female characters. And, uh, of course, it's canceled. So, I mean, maybe they're just trying to fill that quota. Um, I really wish they could get it right. I think they're doing it right with Miss Marvel, mm-hmm, uh, frankly. Uh, the She-Hulk thing, though, it is kind of sad because it, it was an interesting premise, an interesting book. People said, oh, and it's a groundbreaking new art style. It looks like my 10-year-old drew it. And that's groundbreaking? Yeah, apparently. Um, I even stopped reading the book, and I like it, but I just I can't handle the art. It just it looks horrendous. Um, but maybe they're just trying to fill that quota. That's possible. And I mean, I I see it as them definitely seizing the opportunity. Because they know every time they do one of these stupid fucking things, it sells with her. Now, is it going to keep selling when it's not just uh, a quick event? Like, it's not a special issue? That's when they'll do Squirrel Girl with a Rocket Raccoon. Beef up sales. Well, oh, you can work. see it now. You can see it now, can't it, you? It'll happen, yeah. yeah. Or Deadpool. Because, you oh, know, yeah. that yeah. spike sales on everything. Or, you know what, that's what's going to happen. Wolverine will come back from the dead in one of her issues. That's what <laughs> <happened>. <laughs> So, uh, you had another one you wanted to talk about. I do, and I'm probably going to catch a lot of shit for this, because I'm sure a lot of people hold this character near and dear to their heart. But I have no time or tolerance for this fucking thing. Which is odd, because I enjoy a lot of the other oddball anthropomorphic bullshit that they're doing. Such as Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. Howard the Duck is getting his own ongoing series. It's about time. In March. You know, you probably haven't seen much of him, and a lot of people just love the movie. I, I even even though it's a horrible movie, I still love it. It was it was fun when I was a kid. It's as an adult, it's still like, you know, a duck and a female woman getting it on. It's a it should gross you out, but the whole movie just makes you feel good. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, uh, part of that, and, and you probably haven't read this, um, I don't believe you're up on Marvel Zombies, are you? I am not. Okay. Well, you know that they did the main series, and then they've done, like, I think five miniseries, miniseries, uh, whatever it is. Uh, the first couple were, 
like the threat continues. And then what they basically did is they came up with a, a group of heroes, and their job was to try to battle and stop the zombie infection from coming into our world. So things solidified a little bit. And you had the team was comprised of like Howard the Duck and Dum Dum uh, Dugan, and just some gr some great B and C characters that you, that are, are are awesome, but they don't have their own books. You don't see enough of them. And it, Maybe if you read that, you might feel a little better about it. Because you've ever actually read a book that had Howard the Duck in it? No. Okay. Um, I'm not sure I have other than that. So maybe that would be a good place for you to, to kind of check it out. Because the character does have some merit. I will piss and moan about it right up to March. And then I will be the first one to grab an issue off of the, the, the shelf that Wednesday that it comes out. Just yeah. to check it out. I always do. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't mean I'll stick with it, but I will at least give it a shake. I, I think that they, uh, in this case, I think they know what they're doing, and they wouldn't be doing it unless they had a uh, a place to go with it. Not just because he appeared at the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy, because most of the people that saw that had no fucking clue who that was, unless they were thinking of the movie um, from the 80s, I think. Um, yeah, I bet they have an idea. They know what they're going to do with it. It'll be interesting. I hope so. Interesting postscript, since you just referenced the movie. The wife saw it for the first time the other night. Really? Yes. What did she think? Uh, absolutely loved it. Um, even to the fact that when... Uh, and if you haven't seen Guardians by now, seriously, fuck off. Because even Dr. Hughes seen it now, he said. So it's okay to talk about it. And it's been like the biggest movie of the year. So I'm going to oh, yeah. spoil parts of the ending. So if, if you don't want to hear it, turn the rest of the show off now. I'll give you the end line now. Megabyte me, bitches. There, you can feel good about it. Now we're going to continue talking about the movie. <laughs> so, he grabs the stone. Peter yeah. Quill. And it was the first time that I've actually been very proud of my wife. Really? The okay. first time? Okay. In this kind of instance. You know, there was a whole childbirth thing. I was pretty proud of her then. Um, oh, and incidentally, doctors don't see the humor when you ask them to double knot the the tubes when you're getting your <laughs> tubes tied just so you know um, but in this sort of you know nerdy comic book instance I was very proud of her because he grabs the stone and she'd actually been paying attention throughout the movie See, sees what happens when someone gets the stone they poof yeah yeah and she she yelled at the screen which kind of pissed me off because the kids were sleeping and <laughs> she says no no don't you're gonna die and she looks at me and she says, "Does he die?" And I was her, seriously, could be. I went, "That's why he's not going to be in the sequel." And I was, I, I made like I was stone serious, and like she, <laughs> she has a horrified look on her face. And why I was, I'm, I'm telling this story, and it is funny, but what made me proud for that is because she was actually invested in the movie. Yeah. And and she looks at me and she looks horrified and she goes. They can't kill him. He's the best character. And that I left it at that. And then the movie ends... Well, they get to the part where he does the... You said it yourself. We're the Guardians of the Galaxies. Galaxy, bitch. And they... You know, Ronan goes about his business of dying. And she looks at me and she goes... You're a dick. <laughs> I said, Kristen, did you really fucking think they were going to kill the main character? But... She... she because you you mentioned that most people didn't know who Howard the Duck was. She name-checked him. She knew. Really? And it had to be from the movie, because this girl, I don't think, has ever re read that comic book. So I 
was impressed that she knew who he was, but I was still disgusted that he was on my screen. I was very angry when I saw him. Why would you be angry? I don't know. An irrational anger at ducks, there's probably a word for that. <laughs> I mean, did the movie bother you that much? It bothered me that much that he was in the movie. and they. The, the, I think what kills me with it is, because as we've addressed numerous times, these characters, this whole style of comic book character is right in my wheelhouse. These are my thing, these cosmic characters. And there's so many different cool directions they could have gone with for the stinger. You do know that Howard the Duck actually belongs there. Cause he's I do, alien. yes. Okay. He is an extraterrestrial. I am, I'm very well aware of that. I wasn't but sure. I don't need him there. <laughs> he can, Because they're, what they're going to do in the series, he's going to be earthbound now, so he should be there. What bothered me was we saw Warlock's Cocoon twice now. Three times, because it shows in the after the credit scene, too. It was in the stinger for Thor the Dark World. They showed it during the collector's scene in Guardians of the Galaxy, and then it showed it again in the stinger. You know, somebody came out, I was reading comic book resources today, and one of the people say that that's not Warlock's Cocoon. James Gunn says it is. Okay. He said it definitely okay. is. Because I, I didn't realize there was a I actually, I don't even know what that is. I just saw it today, so okay. Um, thought I'd tell you what it is. I mean, it's is he a beautiful butterfly? No, he is a. He kind of looks like Rocky from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. He thinks he's a beautiful butterfly. Apparently, yeah, golden skin, blonde-haired, big muscle-bound guy. But one of his deals is he's constantly like he dies a lot. And every time he dies, he forms a cocoon around himself to come back to life eventually. Hence the title of our good friend Al's podcast, Resurrections. Yeah. So, I mean, they've already given the nod that he exists in this universe. So tell me with that explosion that it possibly could have broken open his cocoon, we have Adam Warlock. We could have seen Adam Warlock. We could have seen Richard Ryder make a cameo to maybe give a nod to the fact that we're going to have an Earthbound Nova soon. The Novas were prevalent in the movie. Yeah. They name-checked a bunch of Novas from the original series. Dale from <laughs> Step Brothers. What the hell is his name? John C. Riley. Yeah. His character was Roman Day. Roman Day is the one that gives Richard Ryder his abilities. Denarian Saul. I don't remember who played him, but I know he's a famous British actor. He was the one that called them a bunch of a-holes. Okay. He was a huge, huge player in the original Nova Mythos. So, James Gunn knows what he's talking about with the Novas. He definitely was name-dropping them on purpose. So, I could have went there. Should have went there. So when I see a fucking duck taking a drink, yeah, I was pissed. <laughs> but enough oh, about that. Oh, if only you made the movie, Paul. Oh, God, if I made the movie, it would have been a train wreck. <laughs> I am not a screenwriter by any stretch, so that would not have been good. But for me, that wraps up what I brought to the table. Anything else you'd like to touch well, upon? Well, I did say that uh, we should uh, bring it back to Wolverine. Oh, um, that's right. Wolverine's we've, dead. I don't yes. think we've talked about that yet. No. Well, I don't have much I can say about it yet because I haven't read them. I have the four issues upstairs. Well, again, spoilers. 
you know, I, I guess I, I'm not bothered by it. Um, he's not really died before. It, there's just something going on because the, they have the death of Logan legacy, whatever. They have all these spin-off comics talking all about it. The thing that's really bothering me about this is, have you seen what he looks like when he dies? I'm sure you've caught that. No. I haven't, but you can still spoil it for me because okay. I would be hypocritical if I wasn't allowed um, to spoil it. Basically, gets covered in molten adamantium, and you see him. Well, he's kneeling on the edge of a building, just big metal blob, but it looks sort of like a man. Now they've moved on; time has passed. I really wished they had shown the X Men finding him, getting him, funeral, something, because I can't help but think. Someone took him out of that. It's just so, such a weird thing that they jump forward. How did, he's in the middle of the desert. Does anyone even know he's out there? I don't think so. How did they even know he was dead? It's right. it's just it was a cool cool death. It was a lot more uh, low key than you would have thought. I think it was very respectful and well done. No problems there. But I don't like the fact that they j- jump past everything else. One of the biggest uh, impacts a death in fiction can have is the aftermath, and they're showing the after aftermath they're showing a reporter trying to write a book about how he affected the x-men and, and all that all this other stuff i want to know did anyone open the fucking thing up to see if he actually really is dead is he just trapped in there is, does his healing factor kick in and start healing him again I, I can't help but think that that's all tied to how they're going to bring him back and that pisses me off oh yeah if, if, if i don't care if he comes back if they come up with a good logical way that makes sense within the narrative um, if it's a MacGuffin or something, because he was inside the Admantium, I'm going to be pissed. If it's something that could have been explained away by them continuing the story from where they left it in that last issue, and they just didn't show up because they want to wait, that's going to feel lazy to me. Right. And, and it is sad, because it seems like they're always now designing the way out right in the story. Well, you, you need to have your way out. Um, but the most interesting... The thing I was most interested to see... Um, was after the issue where he died was when the X-Men find him. How, the, how do they even know it's him? Big m- blob of adamantium. You can't tell it's Wolverine. It looks like, you know, the Silver Surfer on a hot day if he was made of glittery ice cream. I mean, it's just... <laughs> it's just how, how do they even know it's him? You know, I, I just really wanted to see that. Right. I wanted to see them realize that he was actually dead. I wanted Nightcrawler to fucking lose it. Uh, I, I wanted to see that. That's the emotional impact of it. We're we're getting it after everyone's had time to really think about it and process things, and I just feel like it's a missed opportunity. And I feel like it's a missed opportunity because they're going to use it later. Oh, without a doubt. That's, that's why and how they did it. I mean, I can't think to myself how that matters, how him being encased in Admantia matters, but it's just so glaringly obvious that they've omitted a huge chunk of what should be there that that's going to be what they use later on. Interesting. I'm going to have to read those issues. They are near the top of my list right underneath every issue of the new... Man, you need to like take Nightcrawler. a vacation. I do. Vacation well, my family needs to take a vacation and leave me home. That's what it is. And I'll just sit here and grow a beard and read comics. Yeah, growing a beard is fun. I'd like to. And I did. I noticed. Are you doing the No Shave November? Is that the well, idea? I usually go from uh, Thanksgiving to Christmas is what I used to do because my dad always grew a Christmas beard and usually shave it off after New Year's. And then all of a sudden the past couple of years this no shave november thing comes around and i'm like oh i'll start it after halloween why not you know a couple weeks early right now unfortunately i'm not allowed i can't go doing the scruffy thing at work are you the so. computer guy you're supposed to be able to do that that doesn't make sense they make us wear a shirt and tie 
Don't they realize that they are suppressing your geekery? They are. I'm not even allowed to wear those cool ties that look like they're made out of like 8-bit ties and stuff. <sighs> Trust me, I've been looking for cool ties I can wear. I won't say anymore because it's the place you work. I'm sure there are lots of nice people. They are. There are fantastic people there. Just like in my previous employer. I always dealt with fantastic people. So do we have anything else to talk about today? So one last thing, and it's definitely in your wheelhouse. The Constantine TV show. Now, I have not been watching. I've been recording because I do want to watch it. Okay. Um, for the pure fact that it looks like it is going to mix comic, comic booky goodness with straight up supernatural scariness. Okay. I saw today when I was browsing on, I think, Newsarama that another familiar character made an appearance this past week. Oh, this last episode. I haven't watched last night's episode yet. Oh. Uh, but I know who it's. Uh, is it Jim Corrigan? Jim Corrigan. Yeah, yes. Spectre. Apparently... Who are the characters? Chaz? Chaz, Z, John. I, what are you looking for? I'm trying to remember who they said. Looked into his aura or something? Or is, you can see like his future self or something? Uh, well, the, one of the characters, Z, is uh, a mystic of some sort. I mean, she's able to see... I don't know if it's necessarily the future. Sometimes it's the past. Sometimes it's just stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know if they've really defined it yet. Okay. Well... Apparently, when she used her mumbo-jumbo magic on yeah. her, there is an overlay over him. Of the actual specter? Um, really? It's very... I, I only saw a quick picture, like I said, on the site, but whatever the shimmery overlay is, is definitely emerald green and white. That is cool. Apparently, there's rumors that by next year, we may be seeing a specter spinoff show. That would be interesting. Um, not super familiar with the character. He's yeah. crossed over into a lot of stuff I've read, and I get the impression that he's kind of the vengeful dick of uh, the DC like Universe. The um, Hand of God. Yeah. yeah. I I guess I question... I mean, he doesn't have a weekly or an ongoing series, monthly series, does he? No. And I think they've tried, and it's not worked. Kind of like with your um, the character you were talking about um, a couple weeks ago. The guy who's nuts in the head. Moon Knight. Sorry, Moon Knight, yeah. Falls in the same place. Um, I get the feeling that it's really hard to sustain a story with him, and I would wonder if that's um, a smart idea. Right. I mean, it depends on how you do it. Does it almost turn into another Gotham, where it's, it's almost like a supernaturally bent police procedural? But Maybe. isn't that almost what... Constantine's doing? Yeah, sort of. Uh, I, I really wish they'd focus more on making sure Constantine doesn't get cancelled than a spin-off show. I mean, really, it, that's what it comes down to. Uh, the show's on thin ice, and depending on who you talk to, um, either it's, it's well, it's now it's doing better than Dracula did, and Dracula got cancelled, so it might be okay. Other people, like, yeah, it's definitely... Like, a lot of people are saying it's a definite cancel. Oof. Like, TV by the numbers is saying definite cancel. That's too um, bad. Yeah, it, it makes me sad, because the show is getting better. Uh, it, it has a ways to go, but it is getting better every single week. And I can't help but think, because they have a fairly strong... I mean, Grimm's slipped a little this year, but Grimm is also a, a Friday night show with a, uh, a genre-type bent to it, and it's done well. It's in its third season. So they have a strong enough lead-in. They have people that are watching that. Um, why aren't they sticking around for Constantine? Right. What is NBC doing wrong? Because this is exactly the people who should be watching that show. Uh, 
I don't really, at this point, I don't really think it's the show's fault. Um, I've talked about how I don't feel like they've built the world very well, but they've done, they're getting better with that. And the people who are watching Grimm, if they're tuning into Constantine and going, oh, this is shit, um, I, I, well, I just don't think that's happening. I don't think that's possible. You just think they're tuning out. It's I think I think they're just shutting staying. it off. I, yeah. I, and I mean, I see commercials for Constantine at the end of Grimm. Um, I haven't really seen anything anywhere else, but... Well, therein lies the problem. Maybe. I mean, I understand. I mean, that they should be advertising during Grimm if that's your target audience, too. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm just... Yeah, I really don't think it's going to stick around. Now, bear in mind, there was another genre series that was also basically stamped with the cancellation stick during its first season. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is well into season two now. Yeah, but you can't compare the two. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a vehicle for Disney to introduce characters and concepts in the Marvel Universe. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. could be being watched by 16 people nationwide, <laughs> and Disney can afford to keep it on the air because it serves a purpose for them. And um, it's also like you're talking, the tie-in with the movies also bumps the movies, in. you're also going to see tie-ins with the Netflix series, series, I'm sure. I mean, it's kind of like a springboard. It's their... 22 or 23 episodes a year weekly keep the Marvel Universe in people's heads show stuff about Age of Ultron you know keep people thinking about it so when the next movie comes out they make a billion dollars right um, yeah Disney can afford to do that Disney owns ABC it's not like Disney good point they can it. tell it's, that it's, it's their network <laughs> right. they're like what? what you think you'd make more money with Dancing in the Stars yeah we're talking Guardians of the Galaxy money we're talking you know Iron Man 3 money shut up yeah, they're running the show, so... Very good point. So I don't think it's a fair comparison. Well, shit, I was trying to give you a ray of hope there. Nice try. I appreciate it. <laughs> all right, so I think that's all we got for this week. Um, I enjoyed doing the all-comic book episode. It was nice. It was a little quiet. It was yeah. weird not having other voices. Um, it was a little weird, wasn't it? It was. I mean, this this is what you and I never get to do. We never get to sit down and just talk about comic books. Right. For people that don't know, uh, when we said we were going to do this, we decided that we weren't allowed to talk outside of the podcast uh, because we didn't want to talk about things we talk about and then not want to talk about them during the podcast. So basically, Paul and I, you know, we get together, we meet each other, we have the same interests, we can be great friends. Hey, let's do this podcast thing, and then we, <laughs> we by definition, make it so we can't communicate. Yeah, we effectively have to stop being friends off mic. It's not fun. Yeah, but we're really doing it, just so you guys know. I mean, we're we're doing this. It hurts, but we're doing it yes, for you. Yes, we're just doing it for you guys. All about you. <laughs> and on that note, megabite me, bitches. This has been a Geek Pod Network production. If you're enjoying us, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and follow us everywhere. On Twitter, at GeekPod, G33KPOD. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash geekpod. Want to get in touch with us? Email us at contribute at geekpod.com.